I want to uh, talk to you today about the word God gave me for 2024. You want to hear that? So God usually, uh, back years ago, God began to give me just a singular word uh, about life for a particular year or particular things. And I love words. My, my life is all about words um, because I speak, um, I think about words. Uh, I like etymology, the origin of words. I just love words. I aced any English classes, literature class. I just love words because God created me to be a person that gives a lot of words out just by speaking. So God has spoken to me all through my life with a word, just a word. And he gave me a word this year, and, and I want to talk about that. To do that, the uh, springboard to talk about this is Matthew 7, 24 through 27, New Living Translation. And as I looked at this passage in my Bible here, it actually, to begin this passage, it said building on a solid foundation. And I want you to notice before we read these words that this passage mentions rain, it mentions floodwaters, and it mentions wind as metaphors uh, to describe tests and challenges of life. How many hear me? So um, uh, Jesus is speaking metaphorically, and then it uses the analogy of um, a solid rock as analogous of a person who puts God's word into practice, and then Jesus mentions sand as analogous of a person whose life is, is built on something that's not substantive. And when the wind blows and the rain comes and the flood comes, they don't stand. So here's what Jesus said. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But if anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, uh, like a person who builds a house on sand where the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So he's got two different kinds of people with two different kinds of life foundations. You got a, you got a bedrock and then you've got sand. Sand won't stand the tests of rain, water, and wind, but bedrock will. And the person who does what God says will come through successfully when challenges come, right? So uh, that's uh, just kind of the um, that's kind of the foundation for what I want to say, and I'm using the word that God gave me. I was sitting on my couch in my office several weeks ago with uh, several of my uh, staff team, and we were just talking about different things. And I'm, you know, I never know when this is going to happen. I don't try to make it happen or force it. But I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, a word it floated up from inside of me. Then it was the word foundations. That is the word that God gave me for this year for our church foundation. Pay attention to the foundations of life. And there's a lot going on right now in our culture. And before I get there, let me give a definition for foundations. The basis or groundwork of anything, the moral foundation of a, of a society and religion. The second, this is from just from uh, the dictionary. Secondly, uh, the natural or prepared ground or base on which something uh, some structure rests, or the third definition, the lowest division of the building, a wall or the like, usually of masonry, partly or wholly below the surface of the ground. So a uh, foundation is that which supports a building, right? So, you know, the higher the building, the deeper the foundation. So, you know, you've got, you've got substructures that uh, cause a building to stand and to stay erect for long periods of time. Synonyms for foundation. Anytime I think about a word, synonyms are words uh, that mean similar things to that particular word. Listen to the synonyms for foundation. Listen, ABCs, authority, base, basics, bed, bedrock, bottom, 
Bottom line, brass tacks, foot, footing, ground, groundwork, guts, heart, infrastructure, justification, nitty-gritty, nub, nuts and bolts, prop, reason, root, stay, substratum, substructure, support, underpinning, understructure. You can go back and read those. I read them fast, but see, what's the idea? Something that forms the basis, something that forms something solid so that a, 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 a structure can stand. How many know your life is on some kind of foundation? And that's what Jesus was saying, right? What kind of foundation are we going to have in, in 2024? We need to pay attention to the foundations of life because the cultural winds are blowing and I believe it's the spirit of Antichrist. Spirit of Antichrist right now is seeking to unseat every single thing that makes a culture normal and strong. Did you hear what I just said? And that's not just in America, that is worldwide. I do think we're very close to uh, that time period where this person, this global leader called Antichrist reveals himself and the global government, government comes in force. We're fairly close to that. Some people believe that the rapture of the church is going to whisk us away before that happens. Others believe, as I do, that we'll probably be here for a, a period of time during that time. Nonetheless, well, the winds of change, my friends, are blowing and and this is a year to pay attention to the foundations of life. How many hear me? In fact, Psalm 11, verse 3, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If something, if you let termites in your house, they start eating away at your foundation, what's going to happen? You, you might hear some creaks and cracks while you're sleeping one night and have to run out the door, right? No, you want to pay attention to the, surround, uh, to the foundation. All around us, there's an assault uh, against the very foundations of living. I mean, in every level of life, uh, I'll, I'll mention a few of them, but there's so many I don't have time to mention. Spirituality, there's, there's uh, attacks and challenges against the foundations of spirituality, uh, finances, sexuality, family, morals, manhood, womanhood, marriage, values, <laughs> anything else, right? So, so there's just an attack against that. And this year, uh, in what we do here at Victory in every, whatever area we're ministering is, I'm going to pay attention to the foundational things. And I, I think I'm going to be going back to just some foundational teaching, the nuts and bolts of, of what makes you who you are as a believer in Christ. How many hear me? So pay attention to the foundation. So thinking about that, there's one thing the Lord placed on my heart that I want to encourage you to do. It started with me when I was almost 18 years of age, when I came to Jesus. There was a, a way of living I had never really thought about. Now, here's my vantage point was I, was, I was raised in a church all my life. In fact, I went to a Southern Baptist church. I love and I appreciate the Southern Baptist. They don't preach and teach the baptism with the Holy Spirit like I have experienced uh, uh, since I became an adult, and they don't preach and teach divine healing, those kinds of things. But they do preach the word about salvation, and I appreciate that. Don't you? Uh, but in, in the church I attended, I, I, never, I never understood spiritual things in the context of me being a spiritual being and me listening to the person on the inside as a way of living my life. Uh, I was mostly a very fleshly, carnal person. All of my years growing up, when then I came to Jesus, got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and found out that uh, the real part of me is a spirit being. I am a spirit that will never cease to exist. And how many know you are? And if you begin to magnify the spiritual part of your life, life will take a dynamic change. So this year, I want to encourage you to see yourself 
as a spiritual being living in a physical world instead of a physical being. How many hear me? A a spiritual being living in a physical world. We're 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 a physical being and the spiritual world is all around us. How many hear me? Magnify the spiritual part of yourself. Another way to say it is learn to be a person who lives from the inside out. How many hear what I'm saying? See, that changes the entire focus of life. And, you know, when I came to the Lord and when I was 18, I found out that we are spirit beings made in the image of God. I'll get a little ahead of myself. First Thessalonians 5, Paul writing to the believers in Thessalonica, he said, and I pray God, or I ask God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you go through school and you just kind of figure out that man is a mind and a body, but God adds another dimension to the human personality, and that is the spiritual dimension. Uh, Western, you know, Western uh, education doesn't really recognize the spirit of man. People are beginning to delve into that. It's really unknown. It's an unknown part of us. But as believers, the Bible reveals that we are spiritual beings, first of all. So I want you to say it this way. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Now, it's somewhat simplistic, but, you know, God wants children to be able to understand uh, how he created them. And the Apostle Paul made it very clear from that passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, where spirit beings living in physical bodies that possess a soul. Your soul is your mentality. It's your reasoning faculties. It's the uh, ability to emote or to feel okay, emotions, and the, uh, the power to, of will, volition. That's all in the soul of man. And Hebrews 4.12 says that the soul and spirit can be divided. How many hear me? And so uh, the soul is not the spirit. The spirit's not the soul. When I was a little boy, the pastor would get up and say, well, we had so many souls saved last Sunday. And I knew what he was talking about. We knew what he was talking about. But really, the way he said it was a misnomer. And so we generally think that the soul is the inward person and the body is the outward person. Really, if you say it the right way, you are a spirit being that possesses a soul. Think of it this way. Spirit is the part of me that relates to God. Everybody say, my spirit nature is the part of me that relates to God. And then your physical body, that's the part of you that re- relates to the world that we live in. But, and your soul is the intermediary. It, it enables you to, to interact with the people around you and interact with the creation. So the soul is the intermediary between spirit and body. And, uh, but God wants us to emphasize the spirit. Notice that, and I'm all ahead of myself, and I'll get back to it in a minute. When Adam and Eve walked with God in Genesis chapter 3, when they were first created, it seems as though God had a custom of coming down into the place God made for them called the Garden of Eden. How many believe the Genesis account of creation? I want you to raise your hand and make a commitment to it. How many believe it? Wave your hand if you believe it. All right, all right, good. How many believe that you lo- uh, you evolve from lower forms of life? How about raise your hand? I mean, I can appreciate what you're saying. I may disagree with you, but I can appreciate what you're saying. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we came from God. Big question is, did Adam and Eve have a, have a belly button? I don't have an answer for it. You can figure it out yourself. You've got one because you came from Mama. 
But Adam and Eve came from God, right? And so God created them, and he would come down in the cool of the day and have fellowship with them. I want you to think about it this way. Before Adam and Eve sinned, and we're going to talk about uh, original sin this year, but before Adam and Eve sinned, their conscience, their intuitive part of their person had fellowship with God, and they could hear his voice, uh, and he could speak to them. And then after they sinned, that voice was masked, and they couldn't hear God the way they could prior to uh, entering into dis spiritual disobedience. And uh, uh, God had to cry out in Genesis 3, Adam, 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 where are you? Adam means reddish or ruddy. It's, he, had a, he, was, he made, was made from the clay. He said, where are you? Well, well, they broke fellowship with God and couldn't hear his voice, and they were hiding. How many know sin creates hiding? And so again, Adam and Eve, they had full fellowship with God. God created them to fellowship with him. God is spirit. In fact, the article's taken out in the Greek language. I know uh, uh, King James Version, for instance, says God is a spirit. The new King James took the article out. says God is spirit. And those that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. The reason you can't see God is because he's a spiritual being. And you can't see him with your three-dimensional eyes. You can't see him, but, you know, he does exist. And then God created us in his image. I'm getting to a point. This is very simplistic, but I want you to get it. How many hear me? Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Speaking of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let them have dominion over the fish, the birds, the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's not in the notes, but Genesis 2.7 says that God um, formed the Hebrew word yatsar, it means to scoop. God yatsared man's body from the dust of the ground and carved out of dirt uh, the visage that we see as human bodies today. And so our human bodies come from dirt, right? <laughs> and so all of the foods we ingest come from dirt. We're carbon-based creatures. But God then God did something in creation with man he didn't do with animal creation or with plant creation. He, he stooped over Adam's newly formed body from dirt, and it says he ruwalked, breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Jesus, uh, resurrection Sunday evening, he came to see the disciples. They were afraid the Romans were coming after them. The way they came after Jesus, the windows and doors were shut. Suddenly he visibly appeared from invisibility, right in the middle of the room, shocked the mess out of them. And, uh, and then Jesus said some things to them. And then it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to submit he's talking about spiritual life there. God placed physical life in the human person in creation in Genesis, in Genesis 2. You see, when you come to Jesus, he, he gives you spiritual life, the way that Jesus breathed on the disciples. How many hear me? See, there's a spiritual dimension to life that in our busy, our mentally busy world, we need to pay attention to. Let me tell you, a tool of the devil is to get you so attached to this device right here that you don't have time to personally think or reason about anything yourself. How many hear me? 
That's why I would, I, it, I would behoove you to, I, love, I, I, do, I do control most devices at my house from this thing. I communicate with this thing, but I refuse to let it rule me. I mean, hear me, and I want to challenge you today. Let the Spirit of God work uh, deeply in your life. See, it's trying to control my life right now. Quit. You're a spirit being. And see, God wants you to become more aware of your spiritual nature than any other part of you. Question, are you more aware of the intuitive part of you, the conscience part of you, than anything else? Or are you more aware of your mentality, your thinking, your reasoning? Or are you more aware of how you feel throughout the day? Or are you more aware of your physical body? You know, we want to be buff and tough physically now, and everybody's working out and doing all that. I mean, I do that. I worked out yesterday. But, you know, as, as much as you work that body out, it's going to bag and sag. And that's just the way it is. And it's going to get bigger in places you don't want it to get bigger in. Right? It's just going to happen. Just, just hang around and watch. It'll happen. But, you know, I think we do need to take care of it, don't you? But, you know, I'm just amazed at, at how much attention people pay to their physical person. But little attention is paid to the spiritual dynamic of life. I want to encourage you to change that in your own life. I've done that with me. And it was a, a big change back when I was 18 years of age. And I was 18 in 1976. And uh, by the time I turned 20 in 1978, do the math, I was born in 1958. Come on. Yes, I'm 65 right now, but I feel like I'm about 35. I feel good. No, I'm not kidding. I feel good. But see, I take care of the temple, but because there's somebody in the temple. And I heard Lester Summerall say this. Uh, he died in 1996. He was a, probably one of the busiest men, I, uh, mentors of mine that I'd ever had. And uh, he, would, he said, I heard him say it over and over again. He says to his body when he's tired, you better come on and get, come after me. One day I'm going to run off and leave you. <laughs> and he did in, in uh, well, I think, March or April of 1996. But again, uh, you are a spirit. Say it again. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now I've got nine scripture here. I'm just going to run through them. That give reference to the fact that you are a human spirit. Now, what does that, you know, there, there's several connotations to that. Being a spiritual being means several things. Number one, uh, even though your body dies, you continue to live. You will live uh, a million near years from now, you will exist. Now, let me say it this way. You will never cease to exist. You ever think that way? You know, I, I, this is odd, and I don't know how I got there, but as a little boy, I was, I'm not making this up, four or five years old. And somehow I got a hold of this concept from listening to my pastor that God is eternal and we are eternal. And I got to thinking about what it means to be eternal. And it was a weird time. It's like I got into a place I'd never been. I thought, wow, I'm a spirit person. Now I want you to become cognizant of the fact that the real you never ceases to exist. That means everything you do in life is important. What you do with your body is important. What you do with your mind is important. What you subject yourself to is important. Who you hang around with is important. Yes or no? See, so you're a spirit being. And so you carry those things with you into eternity. Listen to these nine scriptures real quick. Job 32, 8. There is a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them. 
that makes them intelligent. There's a spirit within man, it says. Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. What does the lamp do? It lights the room. You turn the lamp on at home. It lights the room. What does the spirit of man do? It lights you up inside. God, he enlightens you. And he talks to you about life from where he is. He's inside of you in the person of the Holy Ghost, right? Ecclesiastes 3.11, he's made everything beautiful in its time. And he has put eternity, speaking of man, in their hearts. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Romans 8.16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you ever feel forlorn, forlorn, forsaken, gloomy, depressed, oppressed, fear-filled, it's because you've disconnected from the part of you that is eternal. How many hear me? The Spirit himself bears witness. He doesn't bear witness with your head. He doesn't bear witness with your emotions. He doesn't bear witness with your body. He bears witness with your spirit. That's, that's the reason if you would just take some time to get quiet before God. One of those songs we sang today talked about getting, uh, getting in the quiet place with God, right? So when, when you get to that quiet place, that's when you can hear him speak. And the time you need to hear him the most is when you feel him the least. Is it true? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Romans 1, 9, for God is my witness, Paul said, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, to that without ceasing I mention, make mention of you always in my prayers. Philippians 3, 3, we are the circumcision. Now, why did he say it that way? Well, Jewish people were circum, men were circumcised when they, when they entered into covenant with God. And that's speaking of the covenant. How many know you have a covenant with God? Men and women. So he says, we are the circumcision. That is, we're covenant people who worship God in the spirit. Hmm. Rejoice in Christ Jesus, have no confidence in the flesh. Now, I think all the little lights and little smoky smoke stuff we have are okay. I think it's good to have pretty lights, and that's a modern uh, phenomenon. But I want you to know the presence of God will, will hit you if you're under a tree in Africa preaching or singing. Or, or you're out on, on a, in a desert plain somewhere. How many hear me? The presence of God is not dependent on atmosphere because God is spirit. And we're to worship God in spirit. Amplified says in spirit and by the spirit of God. And I think all of the stuff we have today electronically sometimes hinders us. I learned a long time ago, way back in 1976, when I gave my life back to Jesus, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'd go to church. And I, would, I, I never did this as a kid, but I'd cloak because I was reading the songbook as a kid. But when I went to church after I came back to Jesus at 18 and was filled with the Spirit, I'd, when we were singing, I'd shut my eyes. I would shut my eyes and just forget about everything around me. And I had some really uh, fresh experiences with God, I, with God I never had before. You see, the enemy wants you to focus on the outward things. And you can come to church and focus on the, you know, all the pretty lights and all the stuff, all the fluff. But God wants us to focus on him. I encourage you when we're worshiping. Now, I've learned I can focus. I can be looking at you and not seeing you. That's why if I'm talking to you, you might need to say, Mitch, Mitch, you listening? You, you see me? Because I can be looking at you and not see you. I mean, often Susan says, Mitch, me, I say, huh? <laughs> and we're eating. She's across at a restaurant. I said, Mitch, I said, what? He says, do you hear what I said? Huh, what'd you say? Because I've learned to focus on my spirit nature even with my eyes open. I shouldn't tell you this, but when I'm talking to people, I got two. You've got two sets of ears. You've got these physical ears, 
And you've got spiritual ears. Jesus said, let him that hears, let him hear. Hear him that has ears to hear, let him hear. And I'm listening to you on the outside, but you know what? I'm tuning in on the inside when we're talking because I want to see if God's got something to say, right? Right? So again, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. I've already read 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. May the God of peace himself set you apart completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many know God is concerned about your mind? He's obviously concerned about your spirit nature. That's how he communicates with you. But he's also concerned about what you put in your mind. I wrote a book two years ago, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. And I encourage if you haven't got that, read that because I go into that in great detail. He's also, in, uh, he's also concerned about your emotions, that they don't control you. But sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to use your emotions. Jesus wept, Right? And so, so if your emotions are whole and clean and not encumbered with your past and not encumbered with unforgiveness and spite and malice and the desire to get even with others, your emotions are clean. See, God can use your emotions. And sometimes while somebody's talking to you, you begin to weep because you feel what they feel. Just like Jesus felt what Lazarus' family felt. Sometimes when I'm praying... I find myself weeping and sometimes I don't know why and then somebody's face comes up before me and I know I'm praying for that person. God wants to use your whole spirit and soul and body for him. He wants to use your mind for him. He wants to use your emotions for him. And you've got to willingly give your will to him. He won't take it from you. That's why Jesus said you got to take up your cross and follow him, right? And then physical body has to be consecrated to him. First Peter 3, I love this. When Susan and I were dating, Susan reminded me of this verse. She's in the children's ministry today. You can go tell her I talked about her. It says, do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging the hair wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. Now, I like the way Peter here talks about the spirit of man, the hidden person of the heart. Hidden where? Well, that person's hidden. Others can't see it. Others can't determine spirit in you. Only you know the spiritual part of your being, right? It's hidden. And sometimes it's hidden from you. Sometimes your mind can hide and mask your spiritual nature. Sometimes your emotions can mask your spiritual nature and hide it from you, right? Sometimes your physical body. How many know it's challenging when the enemy attacks your physical body and you feel ill? It's hard to pray. It's hard to read. hard to do anything. You got to push spiritually, right? Right? So again, the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. 2 Corinthians 4.16, I've got three translations of this scripture. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Paul said, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So there's an outward man, there's the inward man. Now the inward man or inward person is comprised both of spirit and soul. And again, soul is mind, emotion, and will. We'll talk about it later maybe. But nonetheless, the outward person is, we're encased in a physical body. There's an outward man, the inward man. Uh, New Living Translation says it this way. This is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying. Our spirits are being renewed day by day. How many know you can go on vacation, come back as tired as you were before you left? In fact, watch this. If... uh, (laughs) 
if you uh, if if there's if there's a difference between who you are in public and who you are in private, and you're entertaining sin, it can wear you out. So some people, cognitive was a psychologist calls it cognitive dissonance. You're not really who you say you are. Think about that one, right? Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Your spirit should be up. You know what I found out? If I'm tired physically, if I'll go get in the Word, have a season of prayer, somehow it'll actually lift me up physically as well, right? Right? So when you go take a vacation, just don't chill out and do nothing. Spend time with God. Spend time with Jesus. Keep your spirit person built up. I've also found I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues and pray in the Spirit every day. I found just praying in the Spirit builds me up inside. In fact, I got up early. I tell you, I got up this morning at 4. Actually, I got up this morning at 3.45. No kidding. I was wide awake. I went to bed early at 9 o'clock, a little before. And then when I got up, I read, I read my notes, I read, and then I prayed. And I prayed uh, actually about two hours in the Spirit in other tongues, uh, interchanging between English and that prayer language God gave me. And you know what? When I get here, I'm charged up. I'm ready to just find me a devil. Find a devil somewhere. I'll, we'll mess with him. Find me some sickness or disease. We'll just, we'll just pounce on it like a, a cat map pounces on a mouse, right? Berkeley translation says this, for this reason we're not discouraged, even though our outer nature suffers decay, our inner self is renewed, calls it our inner self. Now, you know, I really, I have a physical regimen I, that I prescribe to, I eat certain kinds of foods and I take lots of vitamins and some of my children laugh at me about it, but, um, you know, I, I, in fact, I take, uh, you know, I take amino acids, I think there are 18 amino acids in the and the little stuff I put in some coconut milk in the morning. And uh, amino acids are proteins. They're the building block. I know, it's quite crazy, right? It's the building block of cells along with the chemicals and the foods we eat, right? Right? Now, if I'm going to do that for my physical body, what if I build my spirit nature up that way? Huh? Now, I do. I'm, I'm fairly astute in taking care of my physical person because I can't preach unless my body lets me. Because uh, I'm inside this body. So I want to keep it up. I exercise it, do all that other stuff. But you know what? The Word of God builds up your spirit nature. Did you hear me? So you're not just a physical being. You're a spiritual being. Satan's goal is to get you to focus on the external, not the internal. And if you put all your focus on the outside, don't pay attention to the, inside, on, to the person on the inside. Sooner or later, that outside is going to give you some trouble. Notice Jesus' emphasis, Matthew 4. Now, when the tempter came to him in his wilderness temptations, he had fasted not just three days, but 40. And uh, Satan came to him, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, it's written from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, what is that saying? Physical food energizes me physically. In fact, when I work before, uh, uh, you know, when I do work out and all that, uh, I make sure that I ingest proteins and things so that it builds my muscles back up because uh, working out tears them down. I make sure. Uh, So Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I translate it for me this way, the same way that physical food 
gives energy to my physical body. The word of God gives energy to my spiritual nature. So if you're weak spiritually, you're weak in the word. If I stay built up in the word, I'll stay strong. You're no stronger spiritually than you are in God's word. Because Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone. I think praise and worship is wonderful. Didn't we have a great time this morning? But see, praise and worship can't take the place of your time in the word. In fact, it will not be what it could be if you don't spend time in the word. It'll just be a nice frivolous, good feeling time where you stamp, stamp your feet and clap your hands. But see, there's not spiritual content unless my spirit nature is built up. Jesus said this, John 6, 63. It's the uh, spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit. Isn't that great? And, and life. The word affects my spiritual nature the way food affects my physical body. I had this experience back in 1983 I, um, I decided to uh, enter into, I was 20-whatever-four uh, at the time, turned 25 that year, I think, and uh, I decided to enter into a, a fresh, new, newly revised physical regimen of exercise, and uh, so I started jogging, and I got up to where I jogged five miles in 40 minutes. Now, that's not going to break any records, but I got in shape. And I found out that I would, so to speak, hit the wall. And if you're an athlete, you know what I mean. You just run out of physical energy and just feel like you're about to hit the, gr hit the ground. And I would, so to speak, hit the wall. And then suddenly, suddenly I'd, I'd get a new wind or a second, a second uh, breath of air, so to speak. And, and I would be revived and I could continue on to finish the five miles. But during that time, I, uh, I'm, I, and this is something that really amazed me. I would meditate on Scripture. And I would just find a scripture and meditate on it. I got a lot to say about that, but little time to say it. So I would meditate on scripture. And, and I, I don't know how many times it happened. The first time it happened, it shocked me while I was running. See, Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. I was meditating on scripture while I was jogging through this one-mile trail through the forest in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'll never forget, it happened over and over again as I was meditating on Scripture. At some point in that meditation of Scripture in my head, that means letting it go over and over in my mind, the Holy Spirit would come on me, and I felt like Elijah running from, uh, from Jezebel. He, ran, he outran her chariot. And, you know, I mean, my little boy, you know, when he would get a new pair of shoes, he'd say, Daddy, look how, how fast my shoes can go. And he would take off down the sidewalk. He'd make this noise, and he'd run real fast, you know. And I thought about that when the Holy Spirit came on me. No kidding, I was in the middle of whatever on a, on a trail. I just started running, you know, kind of like Forrest Gump. Because it did something on the inside of me and it affected my physical person. You'll find the more, the, the more you get in touch with your spiritual person and keep that person alive and strong, the better you'll be mentally, emotionally, and physically. How many hear me? A.B. Simpson, who was born in the 1840s, died in 1919. He was the uh, founder of the Christian Missionary and Alliance denomination, a wonderful man of God. I've got many of his books. He made this comment, and I thought about it often. All physical strength is spiritual in cause. You ever thought about that? And what I just said, perhaps uh, give some weight to that. Smith Wigglesworth, in his uh, ever-increasing faith, I think he says, I'm 10,000 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Makes me think of a little chihuahua. You know, their mouth is bigger than their body. Is that right? And you know, if, if you keep your inner person built up, 
The devil doesn't want to mess with you. Demon spirits won't mess with you because they know they don't stand a chance with you, right? Keep yourself built up inside. If you feel deflated, it's probably because your spiritual person needs attention. Smith Wigglesworth said this, pay attention to life's inflow. That is what he puts inside. What do you put inside yourself? What you put in to feed your inner person, your spirit nature. Outward service will dwindle if inward energies are not renewed. How many hear me? F.F. Bosworth, the author of the book, Christ the Healer, a classic on divine healing. He said this, um, most Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. And then they wonder why they're not any better spiritually than they are. How many know you just can't, you just can't live on what I say on Sundays. This is a catalyst. You need to get something yourself. Is that right? My mama used to put a a spoonful of baby food in my mouth or a bottle in my mouth. But you know, at some point I had to pick up the spoon myself, right? And you know what? Unless you feed yourself the word of God, you're not going to be a strong spiritual person. God wants us to be the person that, uh, and let me come to a, I'm, I'm coming to a point here and we, you got your rock, right? All right, we'll talk about it. Person that is transformed when Jesus comes into your life. It's not your natural person. It's not your mental person. It's not your emotional person. It's your spiritual person. Jesus said it. This is New Living Translation, John 3. Uh, A ruler of the Jews, one of the Sanhedrin, uh, which was a group of 72 men that oversaw um, the Jewish life, spiritual life, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth to this man, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Uh, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, that's natural birth, and of the spirit, spiritual birth. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants, just as you can hear the wind that can tell where it comes and goes. So you can explain how people are born of the Spirit. So our spiritual nature is the only part of us that undergoes change at the new birth. That means your mind wants to continue down the path it's, it's on, right? And it also means your physical body with the habits you've allowed it to have up until the time you make Jesus Lord. Your physical body wants to continue those habits. Your emotions want to continue the habits that you've allowed in them even after you come to know Jesus. Some people like to be melancholy and down and blue and and whine and complain and cry about everything because they have a, a habit pattern of that. And they learn that in their families. How many hear me? you got to retrain yourself. How many know you've got to retrain your mind? You've got to retrain your emotions. See, I was raised as a melancholy person. I always thought on the negative side of life. When Jesus came into me, he began to change my personality, my makeup. He changed the way I think. He changed the way I felt. He changed what I, what I emphasized. Instead of emphasizing the outside, I learned to emphasize the inside, and it changed who I am. Uh, my my children I was I was friends with when I was a little boy if they could see me today they wouldn't know they wouldn't it's not the same Mitch Jesus can change who you are how many hear me Second Corinthians five seventeen therefore if anyone's in Christ he's a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new now you know if you're short when before you're born again you're short after you're born again <laughs> how can I say this one 
If you're big before you're born again, you're big after you're born again, right? If you're, uh, you know, we could go on and whatever you are physically, you still is. But on the inside, you're changed. Is that right? Weiss translation says it this way, so that assuming that anyone is in Christ, he's a, he's a creation new in quality, the anticipated, out-of-date things which do not belong to the new life in, G, in Christ Jesus have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in quality. And he's talking about the person on the inside. The person on the inside is instantaneously changed. What does that mean? Your interests, your desires, what you really, really want is changed inside. Is that good? You say, but pastor, I still want to sin. That's your flesh. Recognize the difference between your outward person and your inner person. If you still want to sin on the inside, you're not really born again. How can you tell the difference? There's a rub. There's something that bothers you on the inside. When you give your life to Jesus, and if you had a habit pattern of lying, or a habit pattern of being immoral, or a habit pattern of cursing, or a habit pattern of calling people names. See, you do that now, and if you're changed on the inside, there's a scratch. There's a rub. There's a, you can't do that. How many hear what I'm saying? It just works that way. And if you don't have that, you don't have it inside. Right? All right, we could go further, we will later. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Living Bible. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. What's he referring to? The spirit nature. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. So my encouragement is this year, pay attention to the person on the inside, who you really are. Malachi 2.16, this is amplified Old Testament. There's one phrase I want you to get. He's really talking to the Israelites. They were taking advantage of Moses' law of divorce. I don't have time to talk about it today, except I want to read this. For the Lord God of Israel says, I hate divorce and marital separation, and him who covers his garment or his wife with violence. Then watch this. What's the antidote for a troubled marriage? Therefore, keep a watch upon your spirit, that it may be controlled by my spirit. Whoa, that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage mate. You having a troubled marriage? Take care of the person inside. God will deal with you about what you're saying and doing with your spouse. That's good preaching. Last scripture I want to share. Well, I, I got two more. Here's one, but I have uh, seven translations of this one. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Now, the heart, uh, the core, the center of a thing, a heart, uh, you know, by definition can be a physical pump that pumps the blood. Without your heart pumping, you can't live. Or the heart of a matter is the central core issue that you may be discussing. So the heart of a, a human w w can refer to the spirit nature, right? So keep your heart, keep your spirit, you could say, with all diligence. Uh, New Living Translation, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course, the flow of life. Uh, God's Word Translation, a modern translation, guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. That means everything you are outside is determined by who you are inside. If you don't like the outside, pay attention to the inside, build that person up, and it'll crowd out all the mess that you've trained your outward person to be and do, right? There's a lot to say there. Amplified says, keep your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs 
of life. Berkeley translation, above all that you guard, watch over your heart, for out of it are the sources of life. Lastly, well, two more. Moffat's translation, guard above all things, guard your inner self, and so you'll live and prosper. A message paraphrase, keep a vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. See, if you just think about that, I think about, I wake up at night sometimes and I'll meditate on Proverbs 4, 23 instead of counting sheep. Then you'll go back to sleep pretty quickly. But, you know, you, you think about who you are inside determines how your life is. If you don't like how your life is, how do you change it? Start with inside. So, so my encouragement with all of this is this year, pay attention to the person you are. Everybody say it again. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, now see, what if, you, what if you thought that way? <coughs> Excuse me, every day. What if, what if you thought? I'm a spirit being first. So women, you're patterning your face, putting on your lipstick, your eyeliner. Men, you're shaving. Me, I'm shaving my head. You're brushing your teeth. You're looking in the mirror, Right? And, uh, and you're seeing the person that you are and you're dressing that thing up. What if you started saying, the real you is spirit? How often do you see yourself as a spirit being? See, when you think about life, think first of all as a spirit person. I must, but why? Because you're born again. You live from that nature. Live from the inside out. Back in the early 90s, we had a song we sang, I got something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life, right? We've gotten away from a lot of that. There's just something about paying attention to the person inside. Though the outward person is getting older, yet the inward person can be renewed, right? What if you, what if you think about renewing the inner person every day? Uh, one thing you're not going to change is the aging process, I mean, I can't believe I'm 65. I don't feel it. I've been an extremely active person all of my life. And I don't want to give any of that up. I just have to slow it down a little bit. But what I have recognized is that if I keep the person up on the inside, what I am inside influences my exterior. How many hear me? So I want to encourage you this year. I know you're making New Year's resolutions and boy, you're going to the gym and you're watching what you eat. Maybe you're taking your vitamins and doing all your stuff. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Put your spirit nature first. I, now now take, take out your rock. I, I gave you this. I thought, am I going to do this? But honestly, I was actually on vacation. On vacation, I had uh, 12... Uh, Nine children in my home. Three wasn't able to make it. I had nine children in my home. We had 20-something people, including nine kids. We were busy, good Lord. And I was sitting there one morning before, you know, the noise starts when the kids get up. How many get me? And there's no, there's, I mean, it goes from there. It's just like a train going down the track. You're not going to stop it very easily. I mean, it's all day long, right? All day long. And so I was sitting there upstairs I got a couple of rooms upstairs. I got a reading room, and then we have a bonus room. I was in my reading room because the bonus room was full of kids sleeping on the floor. We had so many kids. But I was sitting there, and, and this, honestly, this scripture came to me. Revelation 2.17. And I said, wow. And then, and then when it came to me, I knew intuitively, I need to give you a rock today. I'm not making this up. This is like the day after Christmas. 
Watch this. Revelation 2.17. Who has an ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To, uh, to him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. Hmm. Did you know Jesus can go give you a white stone one day? And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Now, I read, there's one book I read just about every morning. He has two, uh, actually, additions to it. Uh, Rick Renner has sparkling gems from the Greek New Testament. One is blue. The other one is red, uh, uh, burgundy. And uh, I was reading that commentary some time ago, and I put this in my notes. And I went back and read this, and it really blessed me. I have a way on my, I use Olive Tree Bible app, and I'll talk about this on Wednesday nights. And I'm able to attach any note that I get from any, any book to an, a scripture. And I happen to attach this note. You want to hear this note? So here's what Rick Renner, who, has, who is a, a wonderful Greek scholar, I would say. He lives in uh, Russia. He, in fact, I know Rick personally. He went to our church in Tulsa. In fact, before, he, uh, before I left Tulsa, he gave me all of his, uh, all of his uh, cassette tapes at the time, and I started my ministry on Rick Renner's cassette tapes. I'm not making that up. So then he moved to, uh, he's got a huge ministry spanning all 12 time zones in the former Soviet Union in the, in the, uh, in the uh, Russian Republic. So I want to read this right from him, and it's in my notes if you want to read with me, because that's the reason I gave you this right here. Because I want you to think about something when you grab this stone. Everybody got one? If you don't have one, raise your hand. Anybody not have a stone? They've got one right here. How about give them a stone right over here? Got two over here. I want everybody to have one. And then you got to write your name on it. There you go. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep your hand up. Raise it up. Be bold about it. Say, I got to have a stone. All right. First time you've ever been to church and gotten a stone, right? So it's not for throwing. You're not Goliath. And you're not one of the crowd that was going to stone that woman caught in adultery either, right? And it's not for throwing at me if you don't like what I got to say. It's for him. Everybody got a stone, right? Got one over here we missed. Needs another one. Y'all run. Got two. One, two. These hands keep cropping up. There we go. Keep them up. Keep your hand up. I want everybody to have one. So here's Rick Renner's commentary on Revelation 2.17. Again, it was in my Bible that I read, and here it is. When a Roman trial concluded, and it was time for a panel of judges to vote for the defendant's innocence or guilt, the judge registered their votes by casting a black or white stone in an urn. A black stone symbolized a vote for guilt. A white stone denoted a vote for innocence. When all the votes had been cast, the stones were emptied from the urn, counted one by one. If there were more black stones, it meant the judge, judges had found the defendant guilty. If there were more white stones, it meant they had found the individual to be not guilty. Therefore, this first part of this, when Christ offered a white stone, in fact, the literal Greek rendering says a stone, a white one, to overcomers, placing a definite emphasis on the word white, it meant I've reviewed all the evidence and I've judged you not guilty. Everybody hold your stone up. Say not guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Jesus' message to that church and us today was that regardless of who they had been or what they had done before they came to Christ, what mattered now was who they had become in Christ. Viewing them in the light of his blood, Jesus had cast a stone, a white one, in their direction, affirming their full acquittal and complete release from their past sinful lives and memories. Therefore, when the devil or any person, for that matter, tries to throw a stone of judgment against us by mentally tormenting us about past actions, 
sins we've already been forgiven for. We may boldly answer Christ has already cast his vote. He's found me not guilty regardless of any action we may have committed in the past. Jesus' blood has purged our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Is that good? Second part, there's another way the ancient Greeks also used the white and black stones for vote casting. One of the greatest privileges in Greek society was to vote about civic issues in a public election. In these elections, people used white and black stones to cast their votes, similar to the way such stones were used in legal trials. Votes were customarily registered by uh, casting a black or white pebble into into large vases that were set up throughout the city at designated locations when the time for voting concluded. The pebbles were separated into white and black piles, then counted a white stone represented a person voting in favor of some issue, whereas a black stone represented a person voting against it. Thus, when Christ promised a stone, a white one, to the believers who overcame, he was not only announcing freedom for forgiveness, freedom, forgiveness, and acquittal from the past sinful life, but he was also telling them, my vote is for you. I'm putting my full support behind you. How powerful this is when we realize what the white stone means in Revelation 2.17, it declares that Christ has found us not guilty and that he's putting his full support behind you and me. He's voting for us. Ah! Is that good? So, here's what I want. Now, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now, now you know, me and I got je- pockets on my jeans. And I got certain things I carry in my pockets. I'm going to take this every day. I know you say, well, pastor, come on in. This is a little bit crazy. No, no. I want to remind you every day that you're a spirit person made in the image of God, fully cleansed. In fact, you are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. I've been listening to some fairly heady podcasts by anybody anybody know Chuck Missler and some other guys, and they get into the the physics, uh, quantum physics, quantum mechanics. Bottom line is... uh, God is everywhere, every moment. And the facts are, the Bible says, you're seated with him right now in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6. Is that true? Whoa. Uh, your, Your place of living is the kingdom of God. Even though you live in a dark, fallen world. I love that. So so when when you get that stone with your name on it, I want you to remind yourself every day. I don't care what you're going through. I don't, know what kind of, I don't care what kind of wind is blowing, what kind of rain is falling, what kind of flood is coming against your life, synonymous with problems, test trials. Get that stone out. Say, so you know what? I am more than a conqueror to him that loved me. God has cast, Jesus has cast his vote. I'm not guilty. He's not, he's not dealing with me according to my past. He's dealing with me according to his blood. His blood has forever cleansed me and he's cast his vote for me. If God be for us, who can be against us, right? So remind yourself every day of who you are. What do you say we change the dynamic of life instead of looking in the mirror in the morning and seeing that little face you're powdering or men you're shaving or, you know, you're grooming yourself. No, no, see the person God made. You're made in the image of God. You're a spirit being made in his image. And that's that's the person you should put first, not last.